Uh, Andy, do you fancy a quick bout of the yes-no game? Ah, uh, yes. Is that uh, the right answer? In which you've already <laughs> failed. <laughs> Welcome to the A to Z of happiness with Anya Pierce and me, Mark Steadman. Join us as we unpack the science of happiness one letter at a time. This week, it's Y for yes. And the reason why we're talking about this is because we've been focusing, you know, for the last, you know, N for no boundaries, you know, talking about, you know, checking ourselves and, and what we can cut out of life. And, you know, this is the other side of saying no. I mean, yes, like literally, but when we, the, the whole encouragement about noticing our limits, delineating them as boundaries to others is so that we can say yes more. We have more capacity to say yes to the things that we actually want in life. And so one of the things which I think we touched on with um, the no episode was, you know, if you know doesn't mean anything, your yes doesn't mean anything either. Something along, I think it's far more elegantly uh, phrased in the, in the idiom. And so you know, we've tied in on this idea of values as well, you know, making choices that are aligned to our heart's greatest desire of who we want to be in the world. That means, yes, saying no to some things, but also saying yes to those things which light us up, which move us in the right direction and, and you know, write in inverted commas there, you know, towards the things that um, light us up and make us help us be who we want to be in the world. And so it felt important to talk about actually being open. And I think that's, what, that's the thing with you know, the idea of the word yes. I, I wish I could find the original podcast I heard it on. It was only a short piece. And it spoke about how the opposite of fear isn't love. The opposite of fear is curiosity. And I think there's something in that as well about saying yes to things. There's, a, there's an aspect of curiosity, aspect of trust. And it probably it's no surprise that I'm kind of linking it to the idea of being open, openness to experience. And this is part of, you know, the ocean personality test, which is one of the bonds, which is, you know, that there are a number, you know, through the ages, there have been ways to uh, encapsulate or, or, abstract you know the human experience and the human and, and, and our personalities but the ocean personality test is the one which gets used the most in psychology at the moment and for me it kind of ties in with this quality of yes of saying yes more you know being open and willing to try new things to be vulnerable and even you know to have to think outside the box you know, I think one of the interesting things I know from your background in improv, Mark, is one of the like the most famous things is yes and. Yeah, I, it, there's a reason that it gets brought up a lot by people outside of improv is because it opens you up to so to a, to a whole different way of thinking about things and a, a way of avoiding closing your thinking off and. Mm. It's perhaps giving you the opportunity to see the, well, see the opportunities, see the possibilities, mm. see the potential in mm. things that might, on the face of it, feel like they don't have a lot of those things. Um, <laughs> it's 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 almost it's not it's not exactly gratitude, but it feels like it's almost gratitude's like uh, scruffy little cousin. 
because it is looking, you know, it's it's it has that positivity and it's coming from an additive place um, mm-hmm. and an appreciative place because you, you, you can't yes and something without getting behind it. Um, and so whatever that thing is, is there a way that you can you can get behind it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really interesting that you mention how, you know, imp- improv, this idea of the yes and how it opens you up to things that you might not might not look like opportunities, but you're will- there's a willingness to lean into that because, you know, some of the common traits associated with openness to experience include imagination and daringness and creativity and curiosity and being perceptive. And it's interesting, you know, there's been some research that suggests that people who are high in openness to experience tend to have a love of learning, enjoy the arts, engage in a creative career or hobby and like meeting new people. And I think we've all met people who don't like saying yes, and they tend to prefer routine over variety and, you know, stick to what, stick, like to stick, I like what I know and I know what I like, <laughs> I think is you know, the kind of phrase and stuff. And, you know, wanting, coming out, you know, uh, out of an art house movie going, what was, what was the hell was that about? Like, there was no ending. It's kind of like wanting, okay, this, this is how it starts. This is the middle. Okay, I come away now with a conclusion. This helps. You know, wanting those things which are less abstract and more, defined and you know I haven't read it but I remember the fuss that came out with the Danny Wallace book Yes Man about and he was you know in that that latter frame of mind where he was single depressed avoiding his friends and just by having the advice from some stranger on a bus to say yes more it completely turned his life around and so there is something about the qual energy of yes when faced with, you know, perhaps even challenging things, I'm doing a course on positive intelligence at the moment. And one of its tenets is, can feel contentious, actually, depending on how your well, how well your life is going. Because it suggests that, you know, everything can be turned into a gift, which is, you know, the whole ties into this whole thing you know things don't happen to you things happen for you with you etc etc but the idea of just being in that moment of of yes of possibility of rather than being reactive and throwing things out and going this is awful this is terrible how dare this happen actually going yes this is what's happening right now and actually then being an almost um a more empowered place, a place of agency, rather than trying to spend energy pushing things away, actually being, yes, this is happening right now, and... So, (laughs) last night I was... I was in a bad mood, um, but I was concentrating on... on work and and stuff that I was doing for my my big project, and Mm. I was... I got into a whole rabbit hole about, like, social media and all sorts of stuff, and I was looking at all these different things and I kind of got to a point where I, was, I felt almost physically sick. Um, oh. Like I felt kind of nauseous um, about the sort of the amount I was pushing and how it just, it felt oof, horrid. Um, and then I sort of had this moment of, I, I think I had my Howard Beale moment and I've yet to actually express this properly, but uh 
for the uninitiated, Howard Beale is is um, one of the stars of, or perhaps well, it's not, yeah, one of the stars of perhaps my favourite film. I haven't watched it in a while, but I think it's probably up there, which is Network. And Network is essentially a collection of really good speeches that you know <laughs> delivered soliloquies delivered yeah. by characters that then get put into a film you have uh, what is it um you have upset the primal forces of nature mr beale and you must atone brilliant film so good okay we're having a watch party for this all yes. right okay yeah, yeah absolutely um and uh, so yes i so so howard beale's a man who sort of uh, has he has his emperors have has no clothes moment. He has a, maybe a little bit of a breakdown, and I sort of got there yesterday, and I was just like, I've been doing so much promotion and stuff, and so much um, work to put my name out there that has been so sincere and so earnest and so wide eyed and so thought leadery and so goddamn. <laughs> impossible to distinguish from anybody else doing the same thing and just unedifying and i really got to the moment where i was like i know what my job is now and my job is to skewer (laughs) as much of this as i possibly can um and and keep teasing and keep poking fun um because there is so much thought leadery stuff around mm. that. So a, a conversation that I had with my friends yesterday, I, I described myself climbing out of my own bum hole and <laughs> one of my friends says, it's okay, we'll hold the ladder. <laughs> but where I'm tying all this into is if you can accept a situation, yes. you can find the funny in it. Mm. If you are... I think we talked last week about being above the line, below the line. Like if you are, you don't have to be like, I've got this, but if you've at least you're like, okay, I'm sort of, I'm, I'm, I'm one, (laughs) I'm one lesson behind the student in the piano teacher scenario. Like that's all I have to be. I just have to be one lesson ahead of the student and I can be a piano teacher. Um, If you've just got enough of that, then you can start to find the humor in a situation. Mm. Um, and there's a story that comes to mind and I don't, I I won't tell it just in case it's triggering to some, but it's like when you can say the dark thing and Uh to someone and know that they will find it funny. And I think it, it, it was you sort of, you talking about agency that, that made me think about that. The ability then for us to, to, to have enough agency to be able to actually look at a situation that might be tricky and go, what might be hilarious about this? <laughs> but 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 also kind of like going back to the values stuff, you know, the um, values in action. Talking about because the the trait or the strength of humor is comes under, I think, wisdom because it's about shifting perspective and noticing a different perspective. You know that that's the thing when you see a, you know, a really good stand up comic, they make you see familiar things in an unfamiliar way. Um, and so I think that is when. And there's also some, it's very connecting because there's also this thing of, oh, I thought it was just me or, oh, that makes so much sense or that, oh, and there's like this, 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 you know, oh, I'm not alone in thinking that this thing is weird or shit or gray or whatever. 
Uh, I think the last thing I will say about the saying yes thing is going to touch on the whole thing of, you know, saying yes and people pleasing. Because mm. I think, you know, there's a fine line. And this is what I was kind of meant thinking about the openness experience and connecting people and creativity. You know, these are things which are kind of like trigger internal motivation and emo- in, uh, internal energy. Whereas people pleasing tends to be more around you know, forgetting one's needs, forgetting all of these things and saying yes to stay safe, to be loved. Or, you know, I, I think as I put on recently, you know, this idea of not being rejected, you know, because actually there's like, for some of us, like being loved is like, you know, that's way over yonder. You know, if we can just avoid being punched, that'll do, <laughs> that'll do, you know. And so I think it is something about, you know, saying yes to opportunities you know, rather than obligations, to use a tiny bit of alliteration. There, Indeed. Just, just... Yeah. I, I, and I was thinking, which maybe puts it in more of a icky space, is like saying yes to yourself versus saying yes to someone else. Yeah, yeah, interesting. And that actually kind of like takes me on to the first prompt, it's as if you read them, because it is like that thing of, you know, my first question is, what are you not saying yes to in yourself? And... You know, this for me, this is particularly inspired by, I'm halfway through, it says about 53% on my on my Kindle, you know, uh, Gay Hendricks, The Big Leap. And he talks about this upper limit problem and how we can self-sabotage ourselves and through all these different actions to the point where, and I might include this in, in the show notes, I actually printed off like a little action sheet of upper limit behaviors, action steps, so that I can got it for myself so I could just notice it because he says you know you know say this sentence in your mind as often as you like I commit to discovering my upper limit behaviors and to have a good time while I'm learning about them and these upper limit behaviors are the things we do when we reach a point where we think oh I don't deserve x I don't deserve more love I don't deserve more creativity more abundance there's like a little thing which happens it can be even a good thing and often, you know, the illustrations he uses in the books of people who succeed in something, you know, they get the, you know, the partner, the marriage, the business, the sale or the potential sale. And there's a little part of them that just, to use the vernacular, fucks it all up. But yeah, he says he talks about these upper limit behaviors, including, you know, these are some of the most common he lists. And this is a direct quote from, from the book with, with, with three added at the end for myself. So it talks about worrying, blame and criticism. I think that in particular, you know, between in interpersonal relationships, you know, and I've got, a, I've got a stupid story to back that one up. You know, getting sick or hurt, squabbling, that thing of just finding fault with things, um, hiding significant feelings. I think that's a really interesting one to conjure, you know, hiding it from yourself, hiding it from others, not keeping agreements which is often a very, is a is the passive aggressive tactic some of us people pleasers use because we said yes to something when we should have said no. This one, you know, not speaking significant truths to the relevant people. And I love this, you know, if you're mad at John, he's the relevant person to talk to. It doesn't help to tell Fred that you're mad at John. Like, mate, how many conversations have we been in, like in, individually and to get off of like, <laughs> yeah yeah i know <laughs> i actually had to leave a community 
of my community because it was just all of this bitching about other people instead of talking to the people directly. And I was like, don't, that's not healthy, guys. And then deflecting, you know, then you talked about, you know, brushing off compliments is a good example of deflecting, which I think was really interesting. And then the three that I've added are projecting. You know, it's, it, there's a great story in the book where he talks about this couple and the wife is getting really anxious that his her husband was like flirting with these younger employees. And actually what was really happening was she'd actually had a conversation with someone herself, which made her like, someone who just finished his MBA is so like full of bright optimism and having this lovely deep emotional connection and she was like projecting her attraction to this this young guy not necessarily for him but the fact that she felt she'd never have that quality of connection with her husband you know she was in her mid-40s and just thinking you know, she will never have that and so that whole thing of projecting these things in herself this behavior onto someone else and then the other one, which I think is a classic for me, is procrastination. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, why do something today that when I can do it next week and be worried about it until I actually finish it? Sure. Um, <laughs> you know, and I'm aware that actually, you know, there are, there is some argument that talks about how procrastination that doesn't necessarily exist. There's a, something about how we can particularly for neurodiverse, we can find things that other people find really easy, actually take up a lot of energy. And I know for myself, there are certain tasks, which if I'm, you know, if I've slept well, got, you know, stomach full of food, all, all is white. I think there's a meme that our mutual friend, Chris Kenworthy shares about, you know, moisturized, bathed, happy in my lane, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I'm in that place and feeling well resourced, then, you know, I can do things like open envelopes. Like, <laughs> <but> under- <laughs> like a trooper. I know. You know, otherwise I actually, and, and Mark can verify this, I actually need like an intervention, like people to do it on a Zoom call with me and turn it into a, a game show. I shit you not. We need what we need, you know. We know what we need. And again, you know, procrastination is very much a tie to the last thing which I no- noted, which is avoidance mm-hmm. and actually just not wanting to engage with things. And and it's interesting thinking of these upper limit problems because thinking of them in the framework of these are the things we do to sabotage ourselves when we don't think we deserve what we're getting. You know, there have been like particular things I've noticed that I'm I'm quite slow at doing, even though they are beneficial to me. But and, and I can now I'm having this language of saying, okay, this is an upper limit problem. I don't believe that I deserve this kind of interaction, this kind of financial recompense, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, talking about, you know, one of the ones I mentioned there about, um, you know, blame and criticism and, and, and squabbling and stuff, I had a ridiculous argument with something, with someone uh, on, on like Tuesday night. Mm. And like when to the point where I know I was saying dumb, well, it wasn't entirely dumb shit, but it was mostly dumb shit. But, I mean, in retrospect, I was probably saying sensible things, but I know I was sen- saying them for a nonsensible reason. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I could just feel myself getting more and more agitated. And I was just thinking, I'm, like, having an upper limit problem right now. I can mm. tell that what's driving this, it's that thing of, and he talks about in the book as well, you know, is it possible that the thing you're arguing about isn't the thing you're arguing about? And I realized <laughs> that it, the thing I was actually arguing about was not feeling heard. 
Right. But I picked, but I picked on this one particular thing, this one particular aspect, and was like proper soapbox and proper grumpy pants. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then afterwards, I was like, yeah, I'm sorry, it was because of this. And I was like, I oh, know it's fine, it's fine, <laughs> you know. But it just so easy to be hijacked by these things you know Tara Brack talks about this chance of unworthiness and I think it is an ally to this you know these things of you know what do we not want to say yes to in ourselves and it's not just kind of the abundant creativity or love that we may want but like the aspects of things that we'd be quite you know I'm, I'm, I'm going to confess now you know I have I love uh Korean dramas and they have been, and like not not Squid Game, not like thrillers and stuff. I like the soppy ones, whereby episode episode fourteen of a sixteen run, the couple are going to split up. You know that, but they're always going to come together. It's going to be like a nice little montage at the end of episode sixteen, which shows you like five years on how they're married with kids. I love these things now, and it's really it's only only in the last couple of years or so since I've started. I watched. Uh, extraordinary attorney woman felt very seen at times slightly too seen um that i've been able to accept my desire for romance my romantic nature you know before i'd be a bit like oh it's a bit silly it's a bit immature it's a bit girlish whatever now it's like okay there's a part of me that wants to be romantic you know right now recording this episode i'm wearing a heart i'm wearing a sweater with a freaking heart on it now i don't think i've been able to bought this like a couple of years ago because it would have just been too much on the nose and now it's like no i'm going to wear a navy jumper with a big red heart right back smack bang in the middle because i'm a soppy tart and i like romance Screw it. I, I will draw the line at Mills and Boone, but to be honest, the, the Korean dramas are no, like, oh, bet, not even a step above, which is like really beautiful people. Song Kang is just exquisite to look at and watching my demon do check it out. What about you, Mark? Because, like, I know one of the things that you've had to, ex- well, you've, there have been a couple of little things I've noticed you accept about yourself um, through our friendship. What, what, what chimes for you on this? Yeah, I think. For me, I'm exploring more of what I'm feeling I'm allowed to portray in my work. And sometimes I'm finding things that I'm allowing myself to express outside of work. For example, in the stand-up course that I'm doing, I am becoming the person who will say the sincere thing um and will say the thing that's that's on his mind you know someone gave me uh, the the uh chap who was leading the leading the course he just said a couple of words that really unlocked something about nervous energy and nervous tension for me um because we were all stressing out about the whole fight or flight thing and and is it going to make us forget what we're doing and all that business and there was something he said about it's your body's correct reaction. It's doing the right thing at the right time. And it's, it's all not that it was all normal because yeah, sure. It's all normal, but there was, it was, it was something else that he'd said. And I, annoyingly, I don't now remember what it was, but I just flat out said, that's the best explanation or the best down talking I've ever heard of, uh, you know, when someone's talking about nervous energy. And I think everyone was a bit like, okay, we, we don't usually say things that we actually think in our brain <laughs> because, you know, this is not, uh, you know, we don't talk about hold, holding space. We don't use those kinds of words here. This is a stand-up course. No one's nourishing anyone. 
and and so I'm finding there's bits of that that I'm allowing in, but also I'm trying to figure out what bits of the goofball I allow into my other work, you know, into the the quote unquote grown up stuff, into the stuff that either pays me now or is the stuff that I hope to pay me later, you know, that, that will pay me later. And so I'm still dialing in like what are the appropriate aspects of my personality that I say yes to. And what are the ones that I'm not necessarily saying no to? I'm just saying, not here, not in this room. And I'd kind of like to to live in a world where all of them get a little bit. They all get to eat, to sit at the dinner table, you know, rather than than some being shunned off into a corner. <laughs> On, onto the kids' table. Yes. <laughs> I didn't know that thing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <I'm ready> so. <laughs> or, you know, or which one's going to be the one that has to go to bed and then here's everybody having fun downstairs and is really jealous. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think, you know, there is something, while I think that, you know, Danny Wallace's famous example was the corrective he needed, I think there is something about discernment that comes along with saying yes, perhaps. And you know, that almost leads us on to the second prompt, which is, you know, what stops you from saying yes to others? Is it true discernment or is it is it fear? I was party to a conversation earlier on, just earlier on this week, where someone was being given an opportunity to do, do, do a webinar about their experience, which would get them a lot of, and them and their new, I think they've got, they got a project coming up as well, get them a lot of exposure, get them more widely known. You know, they're making you know, help embed them more into a community. And I could just see the fear in this person's eyes. They have a story to tell, absolutely. When I heard little glimpses of it, I was like, sign me up. I, I, I want to hear more about this. I had no idea. You know, you came from this background and you're now doing this. That's what? <laughs> and I think this is when, when is it discernment? When is it fear? When is it imposter syndrome? trying to work work these things out I mean for me I was actually just thinking about this earlier on today about what I can do for myself you know as an offering and I was just thinking oh you know people know me for polyvagal theory but I don't feel that I know enough about that people know me for self-compassion and I and I'm realizing that actually my sweet spot is the Venn diagram of the things which I did in my dissertation, which is, you know, uh, polyvagal theory, self-compassion, using ourselves as instruments for change and uh, psychological flexibility. I can't, I'm not an expert in any of these one things, but I am someone who can speak knowledgeably about combining all four of them together so that they all support each other. And I think for, for me, you know, that one of the, a lovely exercise I did on an acceptance and commitment training course, actually, which for is is helpful for anyone experiencing imposter syndrome, and I think I might have done it here before already, um, but not, many many episodes ago is the big I and the little I exercise. And so you know you get yourself a piece of paper and you draw yourself like a capital I, but like an empty box, like an out- outline of a capital I. And then it's great if you're doing it with other people because then you say, okay, so what? you know, what are my physical qualities? And then for each thing that someone lists, you just write down a little I in the box. And then, okay, so what are my uh, personality traits? You jot down another little I. And you, when you're at the end of it, you, you have this capital I filled with all these little I's, all these little indicators. Because what we tend to do, and again, ACT talks about this, is we focus, if you imagine 
all our different aspects, all our different traits are on a theatre stage and there's a spotlight on one particular aspect, we then become so focused on it. But if we raise the house lights, we can see so much more. It's kind of like with, with you, kind of like you've got all the aspects that you want to have on the stage at some time, but there's also going to be times when you're going to ask them to sit in the audience. <laughs> you know, you can, some of them are going to be stagehands, actually preparing stuff for those aspects that you want to showcase to be dead center. You know, and I think that's the thing with feeling like an imposter is that, you know, again, if I just go back to what I said, I don't feel like I'm an expert in anything, in any of those four areas. You know, so if I put the spotlight on just one of those things, I feel, frankly, inadequate, you know, despite other people's opinion of me. Yet, if I raise the lights, if I say it's not, it's not a solo singer, it's a quartet, it's a barbershop. (laughs) <laughs> there's four voices on stage i am the beatles i am the beatles you know all blending you know beautifully then it gives me more i feel like i know the stage more frankly i was thinking a little bit of the last episode of crazy ex-girlfriend which if i remember rightly rachel bloom's character has a conversation with her best friend and explains to her, spoiler sort of, that she has a very active inner world uh, and that she kind of processes everything through the medium of musical theatre. And she takes her into her imagination for a song. For the first time, she's actually brought someone else in to one of her the dance numbers uh, that appear in her head. And it's it's done, if I remember rightly, through the medium of... It's a very sparse studio with a ring of dresses, all the different outfits she's worn through these different dance numbers that have sort of um, talked to various pivotal moments in her life, you know, as we've known it over the last, like, two years or whatever that, that we're supposed to have um, followed the character. And so, you you know, we, we were looking at all these costumes from that's the song where she talked about her, her heavy boobs or that's the song <laughs> where she was sort of being a Spice Girl and and talking about a friend-topia. Um, and, and so it really does then showcase this sort of aspect of the, yeah, the, 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 the very many varied and different... Uh, aspects of our of our own personalities uh, and it was just a yeah kind of a, a very colorful uh and easily visualizable example yeah no and i love the idea of her being you know bringing someone else into that world and and i'm following that impulse because the third prompt slightly sideways on that is you know are you listening to the universe and i think this is a really interesting one is inspired by elizabeth gilbert you know the big magic she had this great story for for a novel this the, the whole um framework for it, and she never got around to it and she met another author gave her a kiss on the cheek or something so i love you you're amazing and then like then later this author other author actually produced the book like with details that were so specific to the idea that elizabeth had but wasn't wasn't able to fulfill it was as if the, like, the universe went, okay, like, I've, I've tried you. I've stood at this doorstep long enough. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to knock on the door again next time. I'm going to go dance with someone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of makes me think of, like, you know, how cats will go, but I can't, 
you're not going to feed me. I'm going to go to the neighbor. <laughs> or how kids do it all the time. They ask parent one, can I have a chocolate bar? Uh, yeah. And parent one says no. So you go to parent two, can I have a chocolate bar? Uh, and, in, and in parent two's case, for, for my family, that would be my dad. And then my dad would say, what did your mom say? <laughs> and that I was going to say, and no. if they... <laughs> and then I was going, and then I was going to say, and if that if parents one and parent two doesn't work, grandparents got yes. four shots if you're really lucky. They'll always say yes. Yeah, I know, indeed. And so this idea of listening to whispers from the universe. Now I remember this is one of the things which I like about like Michael Newell. Um, he's he's a, a author, coach, three principles guy. You know, he talks about how he thought that just quietening his mind was like the whole point of it. But actually it was quietening enough, his, quietening his mind enough from all the um, ego chatter, the bitching and the griping to actually hear these big inspirations. Cause you know, he had these thoughts where it's like, I know I need to move to the UK to become an actor. And it was like, there was no rhyme or reason to it, but it ended up, you know, that's where he met his, you know, his, his wife and where he had his kids and just having these big things of the difference between thinking with a small T, which is what most of us do most of the time and having a thought with a big T, which is like the universe saying, okay, baby, I got this for you. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) I've been been looking for, I've been looking for someone to be listening to me. Hi, hello. How are you doing? (laughs) I was weirdly just thinking about uh, the old, yellow pages and the old telephone books that used to just arrive with a thud on your doorstep oh god yeah they were so big yeah and just like a thought that just you know one of those capital t thoughts it's just like Vroomf. okay i guess <laughs> i've got this now <laughs> <laughs> kind of like this is like a bit of a, a, weird, a weird example but i remember the director of alternatives steve noble this is, this is years ago now because he's doing something completely not something completely different, but something, you know, very much more spiritual and hands-on and channeling and stuff. And I remember him saying that, you know, he had this call to to do this kind of very woo-woo stuff and he ignored it. He was like, no, no, I have a very happy life. I'm doing, you know, creating all these events for people to learn about woo-woo, but I'm not doing it myself. Refuse, love the call. Refuse, love the call. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And, And like the universe went... No, you you are the right person and basically screwed everything up for him. So he had no choice but to go and follow that call. And it is, you're right though, that, that refusal to call the end. It is like, it's 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 Campbell, it's Hero's Journey. Mm-hmm. There's a reason it's my, it's my favourite. <laughs> <laughs> Big fan. Okay, so you know how you go to the optometrist and they put the big machine, the, 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 the strappy thing on your face, and they're like, number one and number two, number one and number two, is it better or worse? And then they'll put another lens in on top of that lens. And they're like, is, it, is this better or worse? And like, it feels like I keep removing a lens at a time and going, wow, this is the clearest it's ever been. Let's go forwards. And then something will happen. And it's like, think another one comes out and it's like, wow, this is the clearest it's ever been. I must move forwards. And at some point, I'm just going to be, you know, traversing the world with, with you know, the, the naked eye, uh, as opposed to, you know, but not knowing how many lenses I'm actually looking through. And and so, yeah, I mean, I, I like, I'm the clearest I've ever been about, so far, right now, about what it is they want to do, but it's bonkers. And it's not something that people get 
they don't really get to do this and say this. It's like, so it's, you know, there is all that imposter syndrome. There is all that stuff there. No one in my sphere, apart from maybe one person, is is even close to to doing something like what it is that I want to do. And so there are no, like, mentors really at the moment. Um, Although I've been thinking about who I could, like, tap up but you know no one in the in the last three years um that i've met is is you know can really help me navigate this because it's just like it's not what any of us do and so there is that aspect but it's again like having given myself the opportunity to to say yes to this rather than you know because even even now and again i still get this thing of like um is this is this a really dumb idea and perhaps the answer is yes, but I'm I'm not entertaining that yet. Um, instead, I'm you know I'm I'm forging forwards and I'm forge, forging forwards with audacity. Oh, uh, that's a that's a yeah, that's becoming a Ooh. that's becoming a big one for me. Yeah, and just continuing to live in the world where this is possible. Because yeah, I think that this is like the closing thought that I would love for people to take away from this episode. Because you know we've talked about you know, using discernment, you know, what can we say yes to in ourselves? What can we say yes to with others and what's holding us back? And then, you know, this idea of what can we say yes to as in the universe, you know, what's, what, what are we being led to? Uh, what door is being open and we are being beckoned inside, whether we're entirely sure whether we get, you know, know the host or not. It is this thing, you know, what can you say yes to more of in your life? That's the build question I'd love for you to take away today. The A to Z of Happiness is presented by Anya Pierce and me, Mark Steadman. It's produced by Origin and you can find us at a2zofhappiness.com where you'll also find links to the things we discussed. If you know someone who could benefit from hearing this episode, please share it with them, whichever way is easiest for you. Take care and do join us again next week on the A to Z of happiness. Thank you.